Hello and welcome to Deep Dive from the Japan Times. I'm Oscar Boyd. This week, reporter Ryusei Takahashi joins us remotely to give us a rundown on Yuriko Koike's victory in Sunday's election for Tokyo governor and the growing number of cases of COVID-19 in the capital. Ryusei, tell me about your Sunday night and where you decided to spend it. So yeah, Sunday night was pretty hectic as far as weekends go for me. Sunday was the gubernatorial election, as you know, and the results were announced right about 8 p.m., which is a little earlier than usual. 8 p.m. is the deadline for voters to submit their ballot, and usually it takes a good chunk of time until they're all counted uh, by the city's election commission. But the situation this time around was a little unique in that Yuriko Koike, the incumbent, her victory was forecast from the the start of the campaign. Um, And so the announcement was made that she had won re-election right at 8 p.m. sharp. Um, And so I was at the headquarters of Tokyoites first, and I was there on Sunday night to listen to her announcement, to listen to her rather brief um, victory speech and speak with members of the press. And what was the atmosphere like as the results came in? Maybe not what you would expect. Like I said, her victory was predicted. It almost felt inevitable. In the past, when the results of a gubernatorial election were announced, it wasn't right at 8 o'clock because the the margin of victory was never so, or was rarely as big as it was over the weekend. So for her to plan ahead that she was going to make the announcement right at 8 o'clock was already a pretty bold move, Mm. Um, but she won by a huge margin. Normally, the announcement uh, a candidate would make after winning an election or re-election in Koike's case would be more celebratory as I think anybody would expect. But in this case, it was sort of matter of fact. Which I guess fits the mood of the moment with coronavirus still proceeding and actually picking up pace in Tokyo, a large scale public celebration would feel pretty inappropriate. Yeah, and that goes in line with her campaign, which we've talked about in the past about how she was running sort of a defensive campaign because she's the incumbent and she's got a huge advantage in the first place uh, based on her popularity going into the election. Um, What she said she did during the campaign was to avoid public appearances and speeches and big events and on Sunday a big celebration uh, in order to prevent further spread of the novel coronavirus. Mm. Let's go into those results then. You said she's won by a huge margin. So how many people voted in this election and how many voted for her specifically? So Tokyo has a total of 11.3 million registered voters out of a population of about 13.9 million. In the election on Sunday, just over 6.2 million cast their vote, 59% of which voted for Koike. So about 3.66 million people voted for the incumbent. And that is greater than the sum of all three trailing candidates that lost to her. So the her margin of victory was huge. Um, almost historic. Uh, The only time someone has won by a larger margin in a Tokyo gubernatorial election was in 2012, when Naoki Inose 
brought in 4.33 million votes. So on Sunday, she scored the second highest vote count ever recorded by a candidate for Tokyo governor. How did that compare to her 2016 victory? Well, that's where it gets interesting. Voter turnout in 2016, when Koike was first elected, was 59%, which is four percentage points higher than voter turnout on Sunday. Despite a lower voter turnout on Sunday, Koike still got 760,000 more votes this time than she did in 2016. So voter turnout this time was lower, but Koike got more votes. Hmm. Interesting. With with that in mind, how did her main opponents do? It doesn't sound like a good night for them. So last time we talked about three main front runners uh, trailing Koike. One was Kenji Utsunomiya, another was Taro Yamamoto, and the last one was Taisuke Ono. Koike's lead going into the election was undeniable, uh, but I think most experts were were surprised by her margin of victory. On Sunday, Koike won 59% of the vote, whereas Utsunomiya won 13.5, Yamamoto 10.5, and Ono 9.8%. Koike won more votes than all three combined, and compared to when she was first elected in 2016, her margin of victory this time is much, much bigger. Four years ago, Koike received more than 2.9 million votes, and her trailing competitors uh, received around 1.8 million and 1.3 million votes. So yeah, uh, I it's hard to stress this enough, but her margin of victory this time around was huge. Two weeks ago when we had you and our colleague Kanako Takahara on to do a preview of the election, we talked about the fact that Utsunomi and Yamamoto had quite similar platforms. I think you said at the time that the main difference was their age. And you know, that there was this idea that they might split the opposition vote. Is that what happened here? Well, it's hard to say without parsing exit polling data uh, how much those two split the vote of largely left-wing or undecided voters in Tokyo. One expert I spoke to, his name is Yasushi Aoyama. He's a professor in politics at Meiji University and former vice governor of Tokyo. His take is that Tokyo politics are about popularity and party affiliations and results aren't necessarily correlated. So while there was talk about Utsunomiya and Yamamoto and even Ono splitting votes um, and sort of dooming each other and their prospects of beating Koike, his assertion is that it doesn't matter, is that it's more about their profile at a local and national level in Japanese politics and how well they present themselves. And you and I, and I think anybody engaged in Tokyo politics know that Koike is, for lack of a better way to put it, in a class of her own when it comes to messaging and public engagement. And that that showed in the results of the election on Sunday is that Utsunomiya, Yamamoto, Ono, they all have varying degrees of popularity. And while Utsunomiya did have the blessing of opposition parties, it didn't translate to, to a result. And at the end of the day, even if you combined all the votes that those three candidates received, they still would have been no match for Koike. She still would have won by a significant margin. 
I wonder how much coronavirus and not being able to go out and campaign and not being able to draw large rallies affected the other candidates' chances at making an impression on voters. Was that a big factor in this election? I would think so. I think that's a safe assumption. Um, I know several candidates did this, but in Utsunomiya's case, he announced the times and locations of his campaigning events only to members of the press beforehand. Other candidates didn't do that. Other candidates announced it pretty big on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, social media, where and whenever they were going to speak to the public. But Utsunomiya, I think Yamamoto as well, uh, kept the details undercover until actually speaking in public. In that way, many candidates, several candidates, I should say, held pretty improvised campaigns in an attempt to curb the spread of the virus. And so, yeah, I think you're you're right in making the assertion that coronavirus uh, made it harder for other candidates. We're not nearly as popular or widely known as Koike to show their face, um, to get their name out there. So Koike won 59% of the vote on Sunday, more than all the other candidates combined. But do you think this dominant result is a reflection of Koike's full first term in governor, you know, all the actions she took over her first four-year term? Or is it really a reflection of her handling of the coronavirus in the last few months? Experts I spoke to said that this is most likely a response simply to her performance combating the coronavirus. Uh, Because if you look at her first term as governor, her success at the top of the the city's metropolitan government is is fluctuating. And we talked about this last time about um, her failed attempt to create a national party, uh, her successful attempt to create a local party, the controversial relocation of the Tsukiji wholesale seafood market, as well as the postponement of the 2020 games. But if you look at the last half year or so, the number of coronavirus infections and the death toll in Tokyo are low. I mean, that that part's undeniable. And Koike was governor, and she was spearheading virus countermeasures. So I think part of the the reason she won by such a large margin is that voters didn't want to change in leadership during an ongoing crisis. And I think the... The logic behind that is that if Tokyo is doing relatively okay so far, why change things up? When we spoke last time, we also talked about Koike's national political ambitions. Uh, You brought up the point that she named her dog Sochan after the Japanese word for prime minister. And Takahara-san was saying that Koike's always had her eye on the top job and becoming prime minister. What might her successful, what you know, really, really successful re-election on Sunday mean for those ambitions? That's a good question. And I think it's the natural next step to this conversation about her results, because you have to go back a little bit into her first year as governor to see how her, her ambitions uh, to return to national politics have really panned out. It was in 2017 that Koike made two political parties. Uh, one was a national party called Kibo no To, 
or the Party of Hope, and one was a regional party in the Tokyo Metropolitan Assembly called Tokyoites First, or in Japanese, Tomi Fasto no Kai. Um, the National Party was bleeding support as soon as it started, uh, and Koike abandoned the party later that same year um, when she stepped down as its leader. Uh, but the regional party now has a commanding majority of the Metropolitan Assembly. An expert I spoke to last week, Kenneth McElwain, said that when Kibonoto, the Party of Hope, went under in 2017, Koike's ambitions in national politics were done for. But since then, the coronavirus has sort of revived those ambitions in a way because her popularity has gone up. And for better or worse, it translated to this, this towering victory in the election on Sunday. And so I think there's an argument to be made that her victory uh, could serve as a stepping stone back into national politics. Throughout her response to coronavirus, she's gained praise for setting herself apart at times from Prime Minister Shinzo Abe and the national government. And she's, you know, on a few occasions taken a stricter approach in her response than Abe necessarily wanted at the time. Do you think that she will continue to do this and continue to set herself a little bit apart from Abe so that if the moment comes for her to jump to the national stage, she can really present herself as a viable alternative to the current prime minister? That's a tricky question. The best way into national politics in Japan is through the the LDP, the Liberal Democratic Party. Uh, they have an overwhelming majority, along with Kometo, as the ruling bloc in the national diet. In 2016, when Koike ran for governor, she actually ran against the LDP's candidate because they wouldn't endorse her. Um, so since then, the LDP has been trying to bring Koike back into the fold, or Koike has been trying to bring the LDP into the fold. Leading up to the election, it wasn't clear if Koike would have the same support she had in 2016 when she was first elected. And she's always been a very popular face in Japan. She, I mean, Yuriko Koike is a household name, not just in Tokyo, but throughout the country. And during the coronavirus outbreak in Japan, there were moments when uh, she kind of naturally pitted herself against Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. Um, and so while Abe made a few gaffes here and there um, that I think most of us know about, uh, the sort of silly video with singer Hoshino Gen, um, the whole Abe no mask uh, controversy, there's just multiple points along the way where Abe just doused his popularity. and. Meanwhile, Koike was just doing her thing, trying to fight the coronavirus. Um, and so while the, the former's popularity took a dip, Koike's popularity has only grown in the last half month. And this most recent election proves that. Over the last week, as the elections concluded and Koike won her second term, we've also seen a spike in cases of coronavirus in Tokyo as some of the measures implemented to halt the spread of the virus have been relaxed and the city has taken a few steps in the direction of normal life. Um, at the time of recording, Tokyo has recorded 
over 100 cases a day for the last six days. There's around 20,000 total cases in Japan now, almost 1,000 deaths, and the number is continuing to rise. What's Koike's approach been to this rising number of cases? Well, actually, it was just this morning that there was some friction between Koike and the central government about the, the surge of new infections in the capital. It was last week that Tokyo started recording new cases in the triple digits, sort of hovering right above 100 cases a day like you just described. And leading up to that, there had been a week-long rise in infections. First, it was around 40 or 50 cases, then it hit 60, and then on the 6th or 7th day, I believe, um, it suddenly went past 100 in a single day. And right around that time, Koike urged residents in the capital not to travel in or out. One of her campaign promises was to establish what she calls uh, Tokyo CDC, which is modeled after the United States Center for Disease Control, in sort of an attempt to mass together existing arms of the metropolitan government to consolidate the city's response to the virus. But outside of that, she hasn't really said anything new about the most recent surge in infections in the capital. Just that the the residents need to be careful. Hmm. And where are most of these cases coming from? Uh, where, Where are people spreading and picking up the virus? Well, what's new about the most recent surge in infections in Tokyo is that lots of young people in their 20s and 30s have been swept up in the outbreak. Um, depending on the day, uh, new infections over the past 10 days or so, uh, about 60 to 80 percent have been attributed to young people in their 20s and 30s. And a growing number of Tokyo City officials have said that a significant portion of new infections have been traced back to uh, places like host and hostess bars, um, cabaret clubs, bars, um, even maid cafes in parts of the city's nightlife. Uh, for example, in Kabukicho district in Shinjuku or Ikebukuro district in Toshima ward. And so the most recent surge in cases uh, can largely be attributed to younger residents going out on the town at night, uh, especially on on Friday and, and weekend nights. So it, it's, it seems that the cases are concentrated around quite specific activities and in the kind of intimate cramped spaces that we've all been told to avoid since coronavirus started. Is Koike or the national government taking any action to close those venues before cases surge in the capital? Well, in the past week or so, the governor has, on multiple occasions, urged people to avoid traveling to these places, um, namely host and hostess bars, places like that. Uh, But on each occasion, she stopped short of saying she would reimpose voluntary business closure requests or uh, social distancing and other virus countermeasures. If cases continue to rise across the city and this leads to increasing infections in the prefectures surrounding Tokyo and further afield, is there a chance that this develops into a second wave and we might see the government returning to a state of emergency or imposing other more draconian lockdown measures? 
Well, I wish I had the answer to that question. Politicians in the metropolitan government and the central government, sort of classic fashion, are dancing around the term second wave. Cabinet Minister Nishimura has has said on a few occasions now that the government is not considering issuing a declaration of a state of emergency again. I mean, there are questions about whether doing it again could kill the economy. The first state of emergency in Japan um, had a huge impact on the local economy, and it's hard to say how much of a financial loss local businesses would take if it were done again. But so far, the government is avoiding that. And yeah, it's hard to know what's going to happen next if cases continue to go up. Um, I mean, I think the question on people's minds are the same ones we're talking about now. Like, is the government going to declare a state of emergency again? Is Quake going to reissue voluntary business closure requests? Is society going to shut down again? And are parts of Japan headed for a huge outbreak of the coronavirus? Like, those are things we can't predict, but it's it's important that we keep an eye on it. And if that does happen, uh, we'll have to see what Koike and Abe do in response. But at the moment, Koike said she doesn't plan on taking any drastic measures. On Monday, despite the recent surge in new cases of COVID-19, a government panel decided to relax rules on indoor events. Starting this Friday, the number of people allowed to enter indoor exhibitions or music concerts at any one time will be raised to 5,000, provided the venue stays at less than 50% capacity. Meanwhile, in Kyushu, as of this afternoon, July 8th, more than 50 people have died due to torrential rain and flooding, with Kumamoto Prefecture hardest hit. There, 54 people are known to have died as rivers have burst their banks and landslides have swept away houses. The death toll is now higher than that of the 2016 earthquakes that damaged much of the same region. As the rain moves eastward across Japan, extreme weather warnings have been placed in parts of Gifu and Nagano prefectures. My guest this week on Deep Dive was Rusei Takahashi, my thanks to him. And you can read all of his coverage of the election and the spread of the coronavirus in Tokyo online. Links to useful reading are in the episode notes. We'll be back next week, but until then, stay dry. And as always, Potsukare-sama. never asked what I had for breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) What did you have? Uh, I had water.